Hello and welcome to What's on Earth, the podcast in the Environmental Investigation Agency, or EIA. After spending most of the summer in port, Iceland's rogue whalers are sadly back to staining the seas red as they hunt and kill fin whales, the second largest animal on the planet and one classified as vulnerable. The Icelandic government had suspended all whaling operations in June over animal welfare concerns, but despite anticipation this might lead to a permanent ban, it decided to allow the hunt to resume at the end of August. I'm Paul Newman, AIA's Senior Press and Communications Officer, and today I'm joined by Senior Ocean Advisor Claire Perry and Senior Ocean Campaigner Sarah Dolman to talk about this development and what it might mean for whales. Claire, Sarah, welcome, and thanks very much for taking the time to share your thoughts with us. Good to be here. Hi, Paul. Great to have you. It's been a while. We, we, we need to have got you guys onto a whaling one long before this. <laughs> now, for context, EIA has been investigating and campaigning against Icelandic whaling for more than a decade now, and the main villain of the piece is multi-millionaire whaler Christian Lofsson and his company Havala. Claire, can you give us some idea of the scale of his activities and the numbers of protected fin whales killed as a result of them? Yes, of course. Well, it's large scale. Um, Vala has been really the mainstay of Iceland's commercial whaling, and Christian Lofsson, uh, the CEO, has been involved in whaling since he was a child. I understand he took over from took over the Kuala Whaling Company in 1974 when his father has di- father died. And if you look at the catch statistics since then. His whaling company has killed more than five and a half thousand whales, mostly fin whales, but also sperm whales and say whales. Uh, maybe more relevant to, to our discussion is uh, what they've done since the world agreed to ban commercial whaling. And since that moratorium, or effectively a global ban on commercial whaling, which started in 1986, Christian Lawson's company has killed more than 1,300 fin whales. And now, of course, they're hunting again. They're hunting right now. As I understand it, there isn't even any significant demand for fin whale meat in Iceland itself. So Lofsson's been busy behind the scenes trying to create a market for it in Japan, something uh, you first revealed in our 2011 report, Renegade Whaling. How has that actually worked out for him? That's right, actually, and it's, this is a key question. I mean, really, there's no demand in Iceland for fin whale meat and very little demand for, for any whale meat, um, even globally. In fact, most of the whale meat being consumed in Iceland seems to be tourists who are maybe curious to try it, thinking it's some kind of cultural food, which it isn't. Um, but after Fala resumed commercial whaling in 2006, it started to export a lot of fin whale meat to Japan. And knowing that there was very little demand for whale meat even in Japan and Japanese whaling was actually on the decline, we, we set out to understand how he was doing this. Um, and our investigations basically uncovered that Christian Lawson had himself supported a company in Japan, a company called Misaka Trading, to set up just to import Icelandic fin whale meat. And Lofsson had helped financially to set the company up. He was basically engaging with them to try and develop the fin whale meat market in Japan, paying, for example, for all the import costs, selling on a consignment basis, and selling the meat very cheaply. And as we moved around Japan talking to traders, we heard over and over again that the, the quality of the whale meat was, was not great, but it was cheap. And also 
in Japan, there was a little bit of interest in consuming fin whale because that species hadn't been on the market uh, for some time. So he did have some success with that strategy. Um, he managed to to export and and sell some fin whale products around Japan, but it, but not very much. And and after the 2011 earthquake and tsunami in in Japan that that, that actually wiped out some of the processing factories dealing with whale products, he he stopped whaling for a couple of years. Right. And, and just a couple of years after the Renegade Whaling Report, um, I understand you and our campaign partners discovered that a Japanese pet food company was producing dog snacks, which was using meat from the fin whales killed by Havala and exported by Lawson. Was this typical of the kind of markets he was trying to create and, and what happened when we exposed that? Yeah, yeah. In 2013, we discovered this this pet food company was selling finwell pet treats um, sourced from Iceland. I don't know if if there was a specific targeting by Christian Lawson of this market. Likely, it was more to do with the fact that the well meat was being sold so cheaply. But of course, most people found it really quite shocking that a company would kill what was then listed as an endangered species in Iceland, ship it halfway around the world in order for it to end up as a, as a dog treat for a sort of pampered pet in Japan. And, and as it turned out, the, the company involved, um, who were called Michinoku Farm, and they're a pet food company specializing in exotic pet foods, but they actually agreed with us and they pulled the product from their website a matter of hours after we exposed the sale because they understood that it was actually very upsetting for, for a lot of people that were buying from them. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, um, last year, uh, Lofsen's operations chalked up a death toll of 148 fin whales, but his boats had stayed in harbour for the three seasons before that. What, what were the reasons for that? It seems to be a, a combination of things, but prim primarily, I mean, I keep going on about this, but it's the lack, the lack of any real demand for, for whale meat and blubber in Japan and, and maybe some competition from Japan's own whaling. Um, at that point in 2019, Japan had left the IWC and resumed commercial whaling. Probably coronavirus restrictions complicated things, um, but I, I really think the lack of the of market, a real market, was the main reason. And and to be clear, I don't think that has changed. the The only reason he started whaling now is to try and convince the Icelandic government that there is an economic case for whaling, because early last year the the fisheries minister in Iceland indicated that. You know, she didn't see that there was that, that there was little, you know, any economic advantage to whaling, and had indicated that she she thought whaling should end. And so, of course, Christian Lawson then got the harpoons out and went out whaling last summer, um, killing 148 fin whales. Um, it really, it was rather predictable because he's just trying to prove prove the economic case. Yeah, it, it, it seems to me, certainly working with you, covering the various investigations you've done over the years, that there's a, what's the right word, an air of belligerence to what he's doing, like it's almost a personal thing with him, um, as if he's going to keep doing it on principle. Do you think that's the case? Yes, absolutely. There is. He, he, he's very determined to prove that, that whaling is, is something that should and should be allowed and can be profitable. Um, he... I mean, actually, you know, he's been involved for so many, so many years. 
um, he, he's never he's never understood or been able to 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 agree with the, the ban on commercial whaling. Where, whereas most whalers, companies, countries all stopped whaling when the ban came into place, but Iceland didn't, and it has been driven by this one man really. Um, and and actually, the you know you can see it on paper how how insane it is that uh, I think it was last month. Um, the government published a review. They did a review of the economic impact of whaling in Iceland. And, and it showed that what the fisheries minister had said was absolutely correct. In fact, the, the whaling part of the Kuala whaling company has operated at a loss for seven years in a row in losing more than 20 million euros. So you know, despite this, I mean, he is basically bankrolling the operation with his other, with the, he's a multimillionaire with his, with his other uh, companies and his, and his own money. So it's, it's not profitable and it hasn't been for years. And he's That's obviously right. taking funds from elsewhere within his kind of business interest to, to underwrite that, I guess. That's right. And I don't think commercial whaling could ever be you know, economically profitable unless you did it at an entirely unsustainable level and just killed all the whales who were out there. That would be the only way to make it profitable. That's unconscionable, obviously. Obviously. Uh, Yeah. Uh, Most recently, he's even taken to making some fairly outlandish claims in the Icelandic media that his whaling is actually helping the country to meet its climate goals. Um, Obviously, it is utterly preposterous, but what, what can you tell us about that? Yes, he's made some fairly ridiculous statements that killing whales will reduce climate change. Essentially, the th- as it would stop whales from breathing carbon dioxide into the atmosphere. Um, he's actually even suggested they could sell carbon credits. And of course, it's utterly ridiculous. In fact, it's quite the reverse. Whales are actually known as one of nature's solutions to climate change. They're keystone species in the marine environment. They're very important ecosystem engineers. Um, you know, their feces provide nutrients like iron, nitrogen, and the movement of whales in the ocean up and down into the deep and up to the surface, which is known as the whale pump. That brings these nutrients to the ocean surface, which basically helps the growth of phytoplankton. So they actually play a a pivotal role in in sequestering carbon from the atmosphere and our goal should be to to rebuild whale populations that are still at very low levels compared to before commercial whaling began yeah, I would imagine as well his his kind of somewhat bogus mathematics about carbon doesn't take into account the actual carbon budget that he must expend in pursuing in whales in the first place and then shipping their meat halfway around the world that's right. I mean, operating the whaling boats, uh, freezing the whale meat. Whale meat needs to be kept at very low temperatures. There's all sorts of carbon and greenhouse gas emissions associated with the refrigeration side of it. And, and obviously shipping, shipping this, this huge, you know, millions of tons of, of whale meat across the ocean is, is going to contribute to some significant emissions. Well, thank you for that. Uh, Sarah, if I can bring, bring you in here. Um... Shortly before the 2023 whaling season was due to get underway in June, um, there was a report by the Icelandic Food and Veterinary Authority which revealed the suffering experienced by harpoon whales. What what were its key findings? Uh, That's right, Paul. In August last year, 
the fisheries minister issued a regulation for the veterinary authority to undertake these checks to ensure that whaling is compliant with animal welfare legislation in Iceland. And then in June this year, a veterinary report was released that revealed non-compliance with that legislation. And that resulted in the temporary halt to the hunting of fin whales. So the legislation required inspectors to be on board whaling trips to record the hunt. And that data is passed on to the inspecting veterinarians. And basically, whales are shot with an explosive projectile. So this is a barbed harpoon, which has a grenade on the end of it. And it's fired from the cannon on the bow of the ship into the whale. It's supposed to penetrate deep into the whale's body, where it should explode and release these spring-loaded claws deep into their muscle. And it should cause a shockwave that results in unconsciousness and organ damage. But not all whales die immediately after being shot with this gruesome weapon. So over the course of the whaling season last year, 36 out of the 148 whales that were killed had to be shot with two or more explosive harpoons. Uh, one poor whale was harpooned five times. So that means that the first harpoon didn't kill the whale and reloading the harpoon takes time. And if the whale isn't killed immediately with the first shot, then they're obviously going to suffer. And it's this time to death that's an important measurement of welfare. And uh, it was a central component of the veterinary report. So the report documented that 87 whales hunted last year died immediately. But the remaining 61 whales, it took them um, a median time of 11 and a half minutes to die. Um, and such long times to death would never be allowed in a slaughterhouse, of course. And I would guess, it, it, given that's a medium time, um, in, in some cases it must have been significantly longer than the 11 minutes. That, yeah, that's absolutely right. So one whale took almost an hour to die, uh, another took two full hours, and uh, a third whale was harpooned and chased for five solid hours before the line broke and the whale escaped. So the fate of that whale is unknown. Um, but it's very clear from this evidence that, that whaling is horribly cruel and that it's not compliant with the law. Uh, and I so, guess that means there's, there's no way to actually make it anything other than cruel, is there? I mean, the, the, the very techniques they're using, um, basically letting off an explosion inside a sentient creature, that, that's never going to be an easy way to do that. That's, that's kind of humane. That's, that's it. Whales are sentient. They're very sociable individuals. They lead these complex lives that we're only starting to understand. And, um, and importantly, we recognise that they can suffer. Um, another consideration is that it's not possible to, term, to determine the sex of the whale from the whaling ship. And almost three quarters of the whales hunted last year were female. And 11 of those whales were pregnant and three more were lacta lactating mothers. So those females had calves who would have been left alone at sea and suffered and died alone. So following on from the release of that report in July, a separate ministry organised working group um, produced a report which offered some potential solutions indicating that this temporary ban might be lifted if the current whaling practices could make some changes that would enable them to meet the requirements of the animal welfare law with technical fixes. And on the basis of this, uh, whaling resumed. 
But of course, it's not possible to guarantee a good shot when you take into account the human error, the potential for equipment failure on board the vessel, that the weather conditions at sea change and can be highly variable. The harpoon is on a moving vessel and the whale itself is also moving and only visible on the water surface for just a few seconds. Uh, and The potential for error must be huge in that case, though. Yeah, that's right. And the resumed whaling activities that have happened over the last week or two have clearly demonstrated that. So the whaling ships went back out to sea. Um, they've killed uh, at least 11 more fin whales uh, in that time. And one of those whales um, was shot with a harpoon and it, it, was kill it wasn't killed straight away. It was shot in the wrong part of its body. And so the equipment failed. It took more than 30 minutes to reload and reshoot the whale. So um, as a result of that, one of the two active whaling ships has been told to temporarily stop whaling. Um, the whalers just can't meet the requirements of the law. It's not possible to, to kill a, a whale humanely. And, and in fact, we think that both of the whaling ships should have been halted then. If we can just touch on, on the um, government's decision um, at the end of August to lift its suspension of whaling, um, are there any indications as to why it did that? So we understand that the fisheries minister said that because the industry has a valid licence to the end of 2023, putting a stop to whaling during the season would require a change in the law. Um, at the end of 2023, whaling quotas are due to expire. Uh, after this date, a new five-year quota would need to be authorised by the fisheries minister for the whaling to continue. So we have heard that a new bill has been put forward in Iceland's parliament that would ban whaling and prohibit the sale of whale products, and that would obviously include from Iceland to Japan. Um, and we understand that representatives of different political parties are backing the bill, arguing that whaling is against the nation's um, laws against public opinion and and its cultural heritage. Yeah, in, in, as you say, the the, the current um, quotas put in place by the government um, expire this year. Do you think we're likely to see them set new quotas, or, or will they simply use the expiration of the current quotas as an excuse to let the whole issue go away without renewing them? We don't know what decision the ISIC government will take going forward, but I think it's important to remain optimistic. Um, Iceland isn't, after all, a nation of whalers. There's just one whaling company that persists there. Um, as Claire said already, it's a self-allocated quota despite the international whaling moratorium. Um, the fisheries minister has previously said that she sees little reason to permit the practice after this licence expires. It's not economically beneficial to Iceland. There's increasing opposition to whaling within Iceland itself, as well as internationally, and as well as all the arguments that Claire made about climate impacts as well. Um, it would make sense to put an end to the practice. Well, it's long overdue already, I guess, in many respects. It's particularly ironic, I guess, that Iceland is widely viewed as a fairly progressive nation. Um, and it struck me that you think the government must be concerned that reports in the international media about the cruelty of its whaling are only tarnishing that image. Um, do, do you both think that such considerations might be a factor in its attitude towards whaling going forward? The cruelty of whaling has certainly been brought into the international media by both Icelandic icons like Björk, but also international film stars and directors 
James Cameron, Leonardo DiCaprio, um, Hilary Swank and many others have spoken up against whaling and have said that they won't film in Iceland if whaling continues. So the tourism and the film industry are um, protected, projected to take a direct financial hit from the decision to allow whaling to continue. And meanwhile, the whaling company operates at a loss each year. So, so losing the vital international tourism for the sake of continuing one obsolete whaling company does seem like a very big loss for Iceland, um, one that needs considering. So um, I think tourism and other sorts of investment, including film, are a reason why a return to whaling is, is a huge mistake. Yeah, and not least because those activities bring in money and whaling doesn't simply. It ends up, you know, as you said earlier, it has to be subsidised to even function. Yep, that's right. Including, I mean, whale watching is a very important um, activity in Iceland. Um, but as Sarah said, the, the people in Iceland are becoming more and more vocal against whaling. So I, I do think this is something that will have an impact on the government and in fact, a new bill has just been put forward in Iceland's parliament that would ban whaling for good and prohibit the export of or sale of whale products. And I understand there's there's people from four of Iceland's political parties backing the bill. And, and they are basically saying whaling is against the nation's laws, against public opinion and cultural heritage. So this is really good news. Excellent stuff. Um, actually, one, one, one final point. Um, given the state of play with Iceland, and obviously it's, it's a bit un, unknown as to where it's going to go in the future, but we can keep our fingers crossed that they're going to choose the right path. What's the current state of international whaling elsewhere in the world? Uh, in which countries are still killing whales, and, and what do you think we can do to address that? Well, the the other main countries are Japan and Norway. Um, Japan has been catching around 300 whales each year, minke whales, brooders whales, and say whales. Um, since it officially resumed commercial whaling in 2019, prior to that, it was whaling under the banner of scientific whaling. But essentially, nothing has really changed, and this whaling is still subsidised by the Japanese government. Um, Norway is is hunting minke whales. Last year, I think they caught around 580 minke whales. Um, and so, in fact, Norway, in terms of numbers, is the largest whaling country. Um, although minke whales are obviously much, much smaller than the fin whales that, that Iceland is hunting. So the, so the main culprits, Japan, Norway, and Iceland, they, these are three of the richest countries in the world in, in terms of GDP, you know, per capita GDP. Um, and given there's an international ban on commercial whaling under the International Whaling Commission, it's it's really... It's disgraceful and, and absolutely indefensible for these countries to be continuing with such a inherently cruel and unsustainable practice. Is, is there any particular pressure that you know, organizations like ourselves can bring to bear to change those policies in, 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 in those countries? We've well, obviously we 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 attend the, the meetings of the International Whaling Commission um, every other year, and we work with governments that are opposed to commercial whaling um, to, to try and build the pressure there. I think it, it's important that, that, you know, that people 
let their governments know that this is a very important issue to them and and that speak to you know speak to their governments and ask them what they're doing because obviously all european union countries um the uk all the south american countries the us they're all opposed to commercial whaling there's only a few countries really that is that are still supporting it but it has slipped off the international environmental agenda to some extent and i think we need to so we we need to keep up that that um advocacy there we're also looking at um impacting continuing to impact on the the demand for whale meat one of the reasons there's so little demand in japan is we have successfully persuaded lots of supermarkets and retailers online retailers like amazon japan and rakuten to stop selling whale meat we've presented them with the facts the science um and and how how Japan and others are are basically whaling outside international law and they've taken decisions um to stop selling whale meat in Japan and this is very important that we continue this um so hopefully we'll be doing more of that in the, in the very near future Excellent. well very best of luck with all that work um look forward to doing what we can um in the communications team to helping spread the word on that um, Claire and Sarah, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been great chatting with you. It's a pleasure. Thanks, Paul. Hope to have you back for an update on how we go down the line. If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, please watch this space for future episodes and do check out our website at eia-international.org to find out more about our work. Thank you very much for joining us and wherever you are, stay safe out there.